of Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Psychic Media Angelo, joined tonight by my co-host, the man of many hats, and tonight, yet another one. Dan, how are you? Dan, the I'm man. Great. I'm great, Angelo. I'm looking forward to a great show. I know part one was a blast, and part two should be great. Sam's got a lot oh, of good Oh, we stories. got some surprises here in part two. Uh-oh. And we're joined by Scala from Ocala, Big Ben. How you doing, Benny? I'm doing good. That wasn't the horns. That was that was the I love you sign. I know, Benny. I know that. I'm, I'm Italian. Don't forget. You know, I understand what that means. <laughs> and Jim Phillips from the GorillaPosition.com. How you doing, Jimmy? Peace, brothers. How are we doing this evening? Real well. Real well. Well, we got an amazing guest tonight. He was with us before. He's joining us yet again. And, uh, as I said in the first uh, episode, I will say it again, in a career spanning more than three decades, Sam Houston has paved the path to most certain success. He is nothing short, quite frankly, of a success story by anyone's standards. I'm just going to get right into it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome him back for part two, the incomparable Sam Houston. Sammy, how you doing, bro? <laughs> Hey, man, I'm doing great. Thank you again for such a lovely introduction. You know, when you introduced me to that fellow just now, the Scala from Ocala, you know, I was sitting there and kind of like a spark because we talked about Karen McDaniel the other night and everything. And I kind of was thinking about uh, some stuff because I'm going to make it down to Florida and get to see Karen soon, I hope. Um, But anyway, uh, (laughs) I had another Wahoo story that was just I, I that I just busted up over, and I, and I want to be able to share that with her. And I was wondering if she was listening. I know you guys would enjoy it too. But this would go along the kind of the ribs back, backstage and stuff. Whenever you're ready to talk about that or or however that you you know. If you want me to tell it now, I can. Or if you want me to wait, I'll tell it in a minute. Well, I'm sure we got plenty to talk about. Everybody always wants to hear ribs. Okay. Well, let me, let me go ahead and for, for, for the listeners out there that are not familiar with what a rib is, a rib is a practical joke. And if you're really not trying to, uh, you know, cost somebody a lot of money or this, that, or the other, but you know, you're trying to get that reaction out of them. So a rib is a practical joke. And one one of the the best ones I ever heard of was Terry Funk had done something to Harley Race. Harley Race was driving across uh, through to Amarillo, Texas, to work that night, going through Sweetwater. Harley Race didn't put Terry's rib over, so now it's his turn to get Terry back. <laughs> Harley Race, how was a kid? Harley Race stopped at Sweetwater, caught a rattlesnake sat there and sewed that rattlesnake's mouth shut. Oh, my God. When Terry, when Terry pulled up in his Lincoln Town car for the matches that night, I, I don't know how Harley got in his car, but threw the rattlesnake underneath the front seat. And <laughs> so Terry's leaving after the match. He's going to have a few beers on, those, on his way to the Double Cross Ranch, and he had a way of opening up his sunroof to where he could hold his beer can there, an empty beer can, and let it go, and it would suck right out the top. <laughs> anyway, he opened he opened up his sunroof, and when he did, this noise he heard, 
and he felt something hidden on the back of his leg, so he turned on his interior light, and he looks down, and he sees a snake, you know, striking. Now his mouth is closed, so he wasn't biting, but Terry don't know that. All he sees is a snake biting, or hitting the back of his calf, and he drove his town car in the lake. Oh, no. Oh, my God. That's a little, that was a little extreme, but what you do is he... Yeah, yeah, that they're like kings compared to me, but I'm very, very good at what I do. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. <laughs> now, growing up, growing up in the dressing rooms and stuff, I knew like uh, in mid south when I first met Mosca, Wahoo would come in and work for Watson. I knew there was heat there because. Mosca used to be a cheap shot artist in the Canadian Football League. He'd hit you with late hits, and his hits were designed to hurt you, you know. So, uh, and Wahoo played in the NFL. Did y'all know Wahoo McDaniels is the only player in the NFL to ever have his first name on his jersey and not his last? Actually, Karen told us uh, when she was on the show. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. She's actually been on twice with us. Oh, okay. Well, just like me. (laughs) <laughs> now yeah so anyway yeah uh so anyway wahoo didn't have much respect didn't like Moscow. Moscow was a bully Moscow would only do things to guys that wouldn't do something back yeah you know he yeah he picked his spots i don't usually trash talk nobody and i'm not really trash talking him i'm telling the truth <laughs> <laughs> so anyway I started down in florida matter of fact my second match was against Moscow jr down in miami well, I, they left and they came to the Carolinas and I worked Florida for three months and then I came to the Carolinas too. Carolinas were in bad shape when I got up here, got up to, you know, and, uh, and I was kind of feeling dusty in on what was going on because I knew dusty was working his way up there and I was starving and everything else working two nights a week. <clears throat> well, anyway, uh, you know, there were some underneath talent. Uh, you know, that was, uh, was involved in this too. This uh, young kid, his name was Mark Fleming, uh, out of Virginia, and he had a brand. You know, we're we're all starving. You know, the top guys are making money because they're working every night. Sure. But the underneath guys, we're we're only working one or two nights a week, so it was hard. Mark Fleming had a pair of Jordash jeans, and those were like sixty dollar jeans. And he was sporting them around. Well, Moscow one night took master locks. He made a shim or something and opened up a whole bunch of locks in a high school gym <laughs> off the lockers and put them on all the belt loops. Oh, my so God. Now, <laughs> now Mark has to cut. Now he's got to cut all of his belt loops off. Oh you know, God. on his brand new $60 jeans. So I think like two nights later, three nights later, Barry Horowitz, Bret Hart was what he wrestled in, in the Carolinas at that time, but it is right. Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz had a great big duffel bag with this big strap on it. Yeah. And he come in, come back from the ring one night and that was locked to the iron pole. I don't know what kind of pole <laughs> this was or pipe this was, but it was, it was a lot to that. So Horowitz has got to uh, cut his shoulder strap. Now the only way to carry that big duffel bag is, you know, is, is with the little hand straps. And, and he can't do that. <laughs> you know, poor guy ruined his bag. 
So uh, a few nights later, Mosca puts locks. My mom had given me a pair of eel skin boots for Christmas, and he put locks on my pull straps. So I had to wear my wrestling boots home that night and because I had lace-up wrestling boots at the time. Uh, so I had to wear those home about 400 miles in the freezing cold in Virginia. So. Oh, my God. So I go up to Horowitz and Mark Fleming and I say, Hey, you know, I want to, uh, get this guy back. Y'all want in on it. They're like, no, no, they backed out. They were kind of scared. So he wasn't going to do that to me. So anyway, I have a whole incident in Tazewell, Virginia with a bunch of shaving cream that was, I I won't go into the whole thing, but anyway, I got this guy good (laughs) with, with nothing more than shaving cream, but you know, he ended up with shaving cream in his mouth. He, he took three oh, showers. The whole, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, was, he was beating lockers with a chair. Pez Watley and, and, uh, uh, and Rufus Jones were la- laughing with Tommy Young and I on the way back telling me all about it because I was smart. I got out of that dressing room before that man exploded. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so, so anyway... The next day is Asheville and then Charlotte that night. So I got to work a double shot. Well, Wahoo was in Asheville. I get in the ring. I work my match. I'm getting ready to walk out and get jumping out of the ring. Wahoo walked from the back all the way up to the ring and met me right at the barricade. And he said, uh-huh. hey, kid, when you get back to the dressing room, don't put your hat on. He said, Waska, that's SOB, filled it up full of water. That's like, okay, chief, thanks. So I go in the dressing room, snatch my hat off the table, dump the water out, set it down, start pulling my boot off, boots off because i got to jump in the shower, get out of there, and get to Charlotte to work that night. Sure. So Wahoo, Wahoo hollers, hey, kid, is that a beaver fur hat? And I say, hey, if people don't know, a beaver fur, beaver fur is what they make cowboy hats out of, good, good quality cowboy hats. Sure. So I said, yeah. I said, it is. He goes, well, i got a blow dryer. He said, I can dry that out. And uh, I said, okay, cool. Well, I'm jumping in the shower while he grabs my hat. And the only electrical outlet it seemed to be was right there by Mosca. So, so, so. Wahoo blows my hat off and he's blowing the water on Mosca, just wanting him to do something. <laughs> oh, my God. So, well, that night in Charlotte, Mosca throws his fit in front of Crockett and says, I got two weeks left. That kid better not be booked anywhere that I'm at or I'm done. So I, I, I'm underneath kid. You know what happens to me, huh? I get knocked out of my bookings for two weeks. I'm barely surviving as it is. Sure. You know, so two weeks goes by and then I get a call (laughs) on a Saturday morning and it's chief. He said, what are you doing, kid? And I said, sitting at home. He said, uh, tonight's Mosca's last night up in Richmond. And I said, yeah, and Wahoo was the booker. He, said, he goes, I'm, I'm in Richmond tonight, too. He said, you want to ride up there with me? <laughs> and, and I said, yes, sir, I do. I said, let me grab some things and get it together. <laughs> so I loaded my truck off. I mean, I, 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 oh, gosh, there was a whole lot involved. And I just go into, I got a jack, I had bricks, I had oil, I had paint, I had everything. Rather well, so, loaded from bear. <laughs> oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. So now I'm going to tell you kind of like, well, 
We get to Richmond. I, you know, I just got all this stuff. I'm trying to put it together exactly what I'm going to be doing anyway. I got to know part of it. So we pull into Richmond. Now, Richmond at the Coliseum, there was a tunnel. And that's where the wrestlers parked at. After the matches, that tunnel filled up with people, and it was really hard to get out of there. So Wahoo comes in. We, we park. I stay in the, in the vehicle. Wahoo tells me, he says, now you wait. Let me find out when he's on. Because he was leaving from Richmond and going to drive to Toronto that night. <clears throat> so Wahoo goes in the dressing room, comes back out, and he said, okay, kid, he got his match moved to three. He was supposed to be, you know, semifinal. He's, he's got it moved to the third one so he can beat the crowd. <laughs> so I start laughing because <laughs> I know this ain't happening. All right. Um, I don't know if I should tell you what I did and then how he reacted or just tell well, you. Look, you, well, look, you, okay. you brought us this far. <laughs> I, yeah. Might as well shame <laughs> it off. Sam, you brought well, you guys, yeah, you okay. Um, okay, I, you know, I'm sort of a country boy a little bit, so anyway, uh, I, I, do, I do my damage on Mosca's car, okay. <laughs> now, Mosca, everything this man owns or has, you know, is locked in this Cadillac. One of the first things I did was I jacked up the back end and put bricks under each, each side of the axle. <laughs> uh, I lowered, I lowered the car down to where the tires barely touched the ground. I poured motor oil over the tires a little bit, and then a little spot to where the tires would spin. Then I let the air pressure out to about I don't know ten pounds of pressure. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but okay, but that's not the you know the, that's not everything I did. So let's let's pick up the story here. So I, I do my damage. And I'm hiding in Wahoo's Bronco. And Mosca comes out. Now, Mosca's a big man like my dad. And big men like that, they can um, knock their hips out of socket trying to get in the car one leg at a time. And chiropractors will teach them to open the door, back up to the seat, sit down, and spring your legs in. Well, Mosca sat down into 75 pounds of horse manure on the leather seats of this Cadillac. Oh my God! <laughs> the, the man, the man erupted. It was like a volcano just shoot the lightning bolt. I'm talking. He had his towel in his hand, so, so he was swinging and boxing and fighting and kicking in the air and. And I mean, foam going everywhere, and he's looking around like a uh, like a, a maniac. <laughs> I'm hiding in that Bronco, dude. I mean, he was oh, going nuts. Yeah, that's so funny. So, he, so, he, so he, he calms down. He's standing. He's pacing by his car. He's slowing his breathing down, smoking a cigarette and everything. And he walks over there. He starts cleaning the seat out with that towel. And he's looking around trying to see if, if anybody's watching. Oh. So he gets, he, he gets his seat cleaned out and everything. He throws the towel down on the floorboard. And he sits in the car. He turns. He cranks the car up. And he turns his headlights on. Now, his car's parked against the wall, so you would think his headlights would bounce off, the glow would bounce off the wall, and nothing happened. So 
how with his engine running, he gets he gets out of his car, walks around to the front front, looks down at his headlights and they've been spray painted black. <laughs> Good lord. So so <laughs> He's going up to Canada, so you know every every Canadian's gonna have a little plastic ice scraper. <laughs> so he gets his ice scraper out, and I kid y'all, I mean he was sweating bullets because he's trying to beat the crowd out of there. He's got like about a twelve fifteen hour trip that night. I mean he's got a long drive, <laughs> so he's trying to beat oh the crowd. God. Okay, so. So, I mean, he's, he's scraping, scraping, scraping. So finally he gets it scraped enough and he thinks he can get out of there. So he gets back in, in the vehicle and he, he drops it into reverse. And when he does, the tires are spinning with the oil on the pavement and no air pressure on it. So the smoke's coming up, but he's not going nowhere. He gets out. And he looks underneath and he sees the bricks on both sides. Okay, he had a Cadillac. <clears throat> Guys, I don't oh, know if y'all know God. too much about Cadillacs, but where's the jack? It's under the spare tire, under everything in the trunk. Everything this man owns is on, is on top of that jack. Oh, my <laughs> this God. man has to take out every possession he owns and set him around his car. Now, he jack, he gets his jack out and he starts jacking stuff out. He gets one side up and down. He's looking around. He's almost about to make it. He starts with the other side. Ding, ding, ding. The matches are over here because about 3,000 people <laughs> down that tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> Everything this man owns uh, is on the pavement. <laughs> he was swinging oh, that God. tire iron. He was a raving lunatic. Oh, spit going everywhere. He oh, it was great. Finally, he grabs everything he's got. That's he throws it all in the truck. <laughs> yes, yeah. he throws it all in the truck. He throws it all in the truck. And then he hits the gas, uh, hits it in reverse, and the other side comes off of the bricks. And when it comes off, instead of, like, you know, hitting the ground going, he, he realizes his tires are flat. So now he's oh, got to sit there. God. Yeah. So I saw him four years later. He walks in the dressing room in Toronto, and he goes, uh, he looked at me, and he went, ha, 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 He goes, are we okay, kid? And I said, depends on you, man. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wahoo, Wahoo made that made that possible. So Wahoo comes God out after me. when all this is going on. All Wahoo comes out after the main event. He's already and he gets in the Jeep, in the Bronco, I mean. And he said, Well, kid, did you do it all? And it's like, yeah. And oh. uh as we as we started driving off. Chief stopped right by Angelo's car, <laughs> so Angelo could see me riding with Wahoo. <laughs> 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 Wahoo was the greatest, y'all. He was the greatest. Okay, let's see. Wow. I'm sorry. I just wanted to go off on that. That was. I can't wait. Cool. This. I, I love starting off a show that way. That's great, right? Yeah. That is, 
You guys were brutal with the ribs, though, bro. Jeez. Oh, yeah. I was, oh, gosh. I was, uh, oh, I mean, I was kind, I guess. I mean, I really didn't cost you a lot of money, but I made you look like a doofus. Uh, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have a problem. I didn't have a problem painting you up or shaving an eyebrow or shaving the happy must. I didn't, you know, I mean, I didn't go out of my way to do it. You really had to mess with me first. Yeah, sure. But yeah. Um, <clears throat> James Beard. I don't know if, um, you are familiar with him. He's a referee with the NWA. Sure. Absolutely out of global and everything. Well, James yeah. and I, uh, we've been friends for a long time. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, this story involves him and the, uh, the Cajun brawler, Bubba Monroe, Sputnik Monroe's son, who is y'all by far, if y'all can ever find anything, he was one of the best workers to ever put a pair of wrestling boots on. This guy was great. He was fun to beat up on. Too. <laughs> I love beating up on him. Anyway, <clears throat> one night after the matches at the Sportatorium, we're in this uh, sports club called uh, Lockers. Uh, Rod Price, Dick Murdoch, Randy Rhodes, uh, Dusty's nephew, uh, um, uh, Austin Rhodes. Uh, just uh, all the boys are there, security's there, and it's a pretty big, tight thing. And it was our party every Friday night. So George Armstrong, world famous George Armstrong, comes up to me. He's had a security and goes, Hey, Sam, we got 10 cases of Budweiser. And they had two houses in this neighborhood. And it was George had one house. And then uh, Carla, another uh, girl that worked with security, had a house like four doors down. And, uh, so we were, everybody, all the wrestlers, everybody's there. Well, Bubba had tried to pull a rib on me at the at the show, and it didn't. I didn't put it over, and it didn't blow. I mean, it didn't do nothing. But he made an attempt. So now, you know, <clears throat> I have to, you know, you know, give it back to him. Well, anyway, that night I got opened up pretty good. So, um, <clears throat> anyway, we get to the lockers afterwards and there was this one lady there that I used to, you know, you, we used to just talk every once in a while. I mean, talk, we talked every Friday night because she wasn't a wrestling fan, this out of the other, and she couldn't understand everybody, how they treated me. So anyway, we were talking and she said, what's wrong with your head? I said, I got opened up. You know, and James Beard was walking by and she said, oh, that's not real blood. And James says, really? And he took his thumb and he thumped my head. And it was, it just was like somebody turning on a water faucet. Oh, I was like, you know, nice shirt and everything. I saw Kim, the lady that runs the bar, throws me the band-aids. And I go in the bathroom and I'm fixing myself up. So I bandage everything up. I come walking out of the bathroom and James Beard is sitting on the bar stool next to my friend trying to pick her up. <laughs> so, so now I'm like, okay, okay. So George comes up and he says, hey, we got this this big party over there with 10 cases of Budweiser. Murdoch's here in the whole nine yards. So <laughs> we all go over there. <clears throat> I don't know. I just heard that somebody put Halcyon's I'm not uh, confessing to anything. I don't remember. I used to drink a lot back then. It could have been me, but I doubt it. But I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. <laughs> anyway, anyway, Bubba ended up with one of those beers, and so did James Beard. 
So about 20 minutes later, when they can start getting that lean and that drool going on, you already know that they're done for. So uh, this was a party like all, oh, unlike all parties. Um, anyway, they pass out. Murdoch and Randy Rhodes are sitting on the couch laughing and talking old stories and everything. I'm sitting across from them talking. And, and uh, Austin Rhodes, Dusty's nephew, he's young, just coming up in the business, and, and he's sitting there listening. Oh, we got Bubba Monroe and James Beard passed out. Now, I always go everywhere. I always want to travel. I carry pink fingernail polish because you don't know when somebody's going to fall asleep. <laughs> you never fall asleep first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, and then I had a Sharpie magic marker in the whole nine yards. So I wrote stupid across both their foreheads. I painted their fingernails pink. Uh Gosh, that's that's really basically um, all I did. We ripped, we did rip the mirror out of the bathroom in the party during the night. So that was sitting in the garage. We didn't destroy it. We just took it out. So the next day, so the next day, seven thirty in the morning, me and Murdoch, Randy Rhodes, we haven't been to sleep yet. We're talking stories, and we're laughing. We're laughing pretty hard. And we make up a little noise. Well, James Beard wakes up. He starts, he sees him starting rocking around. He's laying there on that floor. <laughs> and he wakes up. He starts, you know, stretching and everything. He sort of, and he sits up. And we're being murdered. When he sits up, he's got stupid written across his forehead. <laughs> so we're laughing. And he looks at me and he goes, what are y'all laughing at? So I point over at Bubba Monroe. So James stands up and he goes over there and he straddles Bubba and he's standing there looking down over him and he sees stupid written on Bubba's head. So James starts laughing. He goes in the kitchen and makes him a cup of coffee. When he starts laughing, Bubba started shaking around a little bit. So Bubba sits up, he's sitting there and James is over making coffee and he goes, he goes hey man, what y'all laughing at? So when James turned around with a coffee, we point at James. So Bubba's laughing at James, and James is laughing at Bubba. <laughs> so anyway. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. So me, I'm riding with James all the way down to Thibodeau, Louisiana. Okay. When we left Mesquite, Texas, we stopped at a convenience store. You know, the staff was just so overjoyed to see this man. They were talking to him, smiling, and everything. He was, he was just thinking he was all that in a bag of chips. So we drive from Mesquite to Shreveport, Bossier City, and we stop at this uh, Merle's restaurant. It was an old stomping grounds, old stopping place back then. We stopped at Merle's Best Chicken Fried Steak. You know, everybody was so courteous and so kind to James while we were eating. And it, oh, it, was, it, was, it was awesome. So we leave Merle's, and, and he's making everybody's day. I got to tell you, they were, they, they were laughing. They were crying. So we go to the gas station. In Shreveport, we get gas. Then we get to Alexandria. We stop at a Walmart. And James goes into the Walmart. He's got to get some uh, athletic tape. <laughs> he comes back with the, with the athletic tape. Gets right. in the truck. We're riding down the road, and he looks at his fingernails. 
<laughs> and he sees the funeral post, and he starts cussing at me, and he's chewing his finger. So I'm telling him, no, no, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. And he looks in the rearview mirror. He had his head in a different uh, position. He looked in the rearview mirror, and he saw something on his head, and he repositioned that mirror, and he saw oh stupid God. on his head. Oh, he was nuts. But but I started hollering. I said, no, no. I said, James, I ain't taking this. Said, no, 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 no. Yeah. I said, Murdoch did it. He said, if I told you anything, he'd kill me. I said, Murdoch did it. I put all the heat on Murdoch. Now, I did come clean a couple of years ago. I did tell James. Sam, I'm going to stop your story for just a second, Sam. <laughs> Go ahead. We got a very special guest calling in to say hi to you. Okay. Go ahead, mystery guest. Hello, this is a mystery guest. Sam, are you still wet behind the ears? It's oh, I don't know. Oh, hey, darling. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 was, I, I was told, huh? I, I Do what? The first time I saw you, you know what I said to Wahoo? I said, uh-uh. Even twelve years is he even twelve years old? <laughs> you look so young. You were such a baby. Yeah, baby face. I got the cutest little baby. I was born for this business. How are you, sugar? Oh, it's so great to talk to you. It's great to talk to you too. I recognize your voice instantly. But you did. I asked Wahoo, I said, is he even 12? <laughs> now, Sam, well, I, 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 I got to tell you, Karen is a very dear friend of mine. Uh, I didn't tell you that, but Karen is a very dear friend of mine. Uh, she's been on the show with us a couple times, and she's coming back. And I asked her the other night to give us a call. I wanted to surprise you. Oh, but this is great. I dropped the ball on that one because uh, I had my phone on vibrate and, and never even looked at it. So, uh, you're bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you <laughs> know. That's okay, babe. Those times were great. And it's like I've told Angelo so many times. We all, all of us, Wahoo, me, you, the wives, the, we we didn't know what we had then. No, no, we didn't. No, we didn't. All of us, we didn't know what we had then. We didn't know. You know. I didn't. Nobody realized y'all celebrity. You know, they just didn't realize. And y'all worked so hard, man. I, I don't imagine people who could even keep up with the schedule that y'all kept up with back then. That's what. So oh, what. Yeah, it was, but you know, but we were all, we all believed we were, I mean, we, we believed in ourselves. We really did yeah, believe did in ourselves. That. So we were supermen and we had to be supermen. We had to be able to go out in the bar afterwards and back up what we said, you know, because that's everywhere that's, we went. That's absolutely, that's absolutely yeah. correct. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, every one of those guys, yes, just I, about every one of those guys, was a hoss. When you think about it, yes, yes. I um, I text Michelle Rhodes today. You know, she and I have been friends since forever and ever. And today, right. is the day that Dusty died, 
Yeah. Yes, ma'am, I know. Storm, my son, died yesterday. And, oh, um, wow. She was, she was calling me, and she was telling me that, Karen, I'm so sorry. I said, I'm on the way to the hospital. She said, I'm on the way to the hospital. We're taking Dusty to the hospital. They thought he had a while. And then the next morning, she calls me. She said, Dusty died. And I went, oh, my God. So Storm yeah. died on the 10th, Dusty on the 11th. And she said, I don't even have a picture for the obituary. And I said, I do. I don't know how I even functioned and thought of it. But there was one right. black and white picture, and it's Dusty and Andre and Wahoo. And they were at some bar in New Orleans, and it's a black and white picture. I said, I'm sending you this picture. Cut it out and use it for your obituary. And she did, because it's a great picture of Dusty. And then Dusty used to come here to Panama City Beach to see his mom that was in a nursing home, and his sister lived here. And he had done some little fundraisers at a bar and a couple things. So oddly enough, on that on the following Friday, after the 10th and 11th, Storm McDaniel was the front page of the newspaper on Friday, and Dusty was the front uh -huh. page of the newspaper on Saturday. Is that wow. not crazy? You know, I, well, they say, they, they say, I hate to say it, but they, they say, you know, it happens in threes and, you know, it, it always proves that it does. I don't remember who else went, but two weeks after Dusty had passed, I went to, uh, I got permission to go. I, I don't drink anymore or anything. So I got permission to go. I was on parole. I went to, uh, to uh, go see David Allen Coe in, uh, yeah. Oh gosh, in Baton Rouge. Now he invited me go, to go to the party, to Willie's party the next day, but he put on one heck of a show. And I, I figured by at the, back at that time, we'd known each other for 32 years. And it was just two wow. weeks after Dusty, Dusty had passed. You can't even be that old. Are you that old now? I'm 56. <laughs> I I'm 56. I, can't, I cannot That's believe. Well, check this out, Karen. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm listening. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Listening. Yeah, the third one was Roddy Piper. Yeah, oh, in the picture? No, before, I think. Piper was 2015. Yeah, he was. Certainly was. Yeah. Storm yeah. uh, died on June the 10th, Dusty on uh, June the 11th, and then Piper died in August of that year. I don't exactly remember that day, but we were at the, um, the Fan Fest in Charlotte. At uh -huh. University Hilton when he died, yeah. and you know what, Greg Greg Valentine looked at me dead ass, looked at me and said, "I'm going to be next." And I said, "No hell, you're not, Greg. No, you're not." No. And he and well, he I saw Greg. Up, thank God. Yeah, I saw Greg. Me, Piper, yeah. Valentine. You know, we're all the same age, so. Well, I tell you know, and I say it all the time. Um, I mean, every day is given to us, and I'm going to make the most of what I can. Did you know, Karen? Two years ago in Florida, I wrestled at UFC College uh, one day in front of eleven thousand five hundred people. It was on the four twenty thing. Well, I was locked up in prison, yeah. so I didn't know what all the four twenty celebration stuff was. <laughs> so, yeah, I got you. So, so anyway, I, know, I got to the I show. Know. Yeah, I didn't know. I do now. Um, so anyway, I, I get there and uh, Chasing Rants was it was his show, 
and there were 11 heavy metal rock bands, and they were going to have three matches between every break. So there was like five breaks or something, five or six breaks. No, six breaks. I, I wrestled six times that day during every break. I just felt good. I only had two cigarettes when I got there, and I was waiting until after my match. But, but somebody gave me some suckers, and I had about nine of them suckers and then a couple of brownies. And then, anyway, I went undefeated for the day. was all about, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I, I went. I was the only one. I mean, I blew everybody away. I blew every. I, they put me in a singles match. It just tore the place apart. Put me in a handicap match. Boy, blew them guys out of it. It was in a six man tag match. And one guy was, I'm just going to say, well, he was, uh, the one fellow was Puerto Rican and he had a hurt ankle. And the other one was kind of flitty. You know, he kind of walked, I, I don't know, to, he was more swishy than what I'm used to. So I didn't want him in my corner neither. So before the match started, I grabbed the microphone and made the hurt guy get out of the ring because he's of his injury and sit in a chair there in the corner. And then I made the fruity guy stand right there next to him so none of the other guys would jump on him. He was there to protect him. I'm handling the ring. So then I told all three of them guys get in the ring. And I, I mean, and we had a blast. I mean, he just exploded the place. So anyway. I come back from my fourth match, and I sit in the dressing room, just oh re- getting ready to light my cigarette. I'm lighting my cigarette. Oh, I'm happy and everything. Oh, yeah. So I'm lighting my cigarette, and this guy's sitting over there, and he's kind of like dressed up like a gangster and everything, and this girl was all in spandex and stuff. And all of a sudden, he just prison punched her in the face. I mean, dropped her right in the dressing room. Huffed oh, and went off to the ring. Huffed and went off to the ring. So I stood up, put my hand on this other fellow's chest and told him, you got the night off, Jack. (laughs) And I went to the ring. I turned into an animal like I did in prison. Um, I mauled this man to death inside of three inside of three minutes i chased him from the ring through the dressing room where he grabbed his stuff way out in the parking lot (laughs) it took me it took me about 15 minutes to walk back i mean i I chased his i chased him out i heard he hadn't been to a show in three years it's that protect mode y'all all all had that protect people mode i don't know what that was i mean why has gotten more fights protecting somebody and i'm told Andy uh-huh. before, my, my my son the only time they got in fights was protecting the fat black boy brother from the white boys and protecting the fat black boy brother from the black boy you, you know, know that's yeah. i had to go pick him up <laughs> sam the last time <laughs> Aaron was here i related a story to her uh about the uh, you and wahoo clearing out a bar in oklahoma oklahoma city because someone, uh, you you know what I'm talking about. I'm I'm trying to remember because we um I really hate to say this. Well, I'm I'm proud of it, but we we Wahoo and I probably like cleared out a few. Well, <laughs> this one was uh, the boys were there after a show, and somebody come up that was feeling pretty good, feeling pretty brave, and uh, he of course stupid enough he picks on the biggest guy there, Wahoo. And so, and then jumps into the old wrestling is fake bit. Yeah, that's not a good idea. No, <laughs> not with Sam Houston and Wahoo McDaniel in the bar. 
<laughs> no, no. No, 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 good idea. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, I, and, and I, you I know, Sam, you and I both, well, I, I, that may have been before me because I don't remember being in Oklahoma City with him. And I don't uh, really well, that would have been for a while. That would have been for, yeah. Well, in Charlotte and the Mid-Atlantic uh-huh. when he's done everything in his power to keep from Oh yeah, uh, he would he and would fight with himself, and then he would explode. Oh, and yeah. when all uh, and when he exploded, that's when all hell broke broke loose, and you get out the way. We were we left the matches. Yeah, we left the matches in Charleston. That all that building in Charleston for Henry Marcus was horrible, and Wahoo hated Henry Marcus because Henry Marcus was a bad bad thief. You know, uh-huh. so anyway, we're leaving the matches, we're leaving yeah. the matches, and it was like 120 degrees in that arena when we left, so we stopped, mm-hmm. and we were going to grab a couple of beers and, and down them before we hit the road. We're getting our beer to go, too, you know, so we walk yeah. in this club, and there's three, uh, I guess, I, I guess three guys in their basic training or whatever, and right. Wahoo and I just sat down, and we ordered a couple of beers each, and I mean, we're chugging them. And all of a sudden, one of them kids started running his mouth. And I kid you not, before I could do anything, when the, when it started, when that spark, I'm coming up out of the chair. Before I jumped up, jumped to my feet, before I could even make it around, while he had leveled all three of them. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, was, I was like, he was the fastest, the fastest moving big man I have ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. It didn't right. take a second. Um, so the MPs come, the MPs come and take and pick the guys up, and they're carrying, carting them out of there. And the one stopped in front of us, and he has stopped, and he apologized to Wahoo, and they turned around to the MP and said, "We got the wrong damn uh, drill instructor." <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the uh, I think That's the takeaway funny. here, I think the takeaway here is that uh, Angelo, you said uh, he and Wahoo got into a bar fight and cleared house. And that wasn't specific enough. You, you, no, usually, that, when that you was, say that, when you say something like, "You remember that bar fight where you cleared the either. house?" In his defense, <laughs> he didn't start him. No, no, he didn't. He did. no. no, he never did. He was always a perfect gentleman, and he and you know he treated. <laughs> okay, as a performer, as an athlete, the whole nine yards, he presented himself to the public. And, and, you know, uh, as, as a respectable, I mean, he was respectable. He dressed for the occasions, yeah. you know, uh, he took pride in himself. You know, he was always wearing sports shirts or coaches shirts and slacks and nice boots and all nine yards. He didn't, he didn't ever show up to the show, uh, in cargo shorts and flip flops, no. you know, no. we, no, we no, back I'm then we were that, proud. That was my, Sam, that was my husband's business. It was his business. He treated it like a business. And when uh-huh. he came home, he the next day he was playing golf or he was fishing. He had something besides wrestling. But his oh, business yeah. is important to him. I've told Angelo mm-hmm. when that guy came on 2020 and, and exposed the business, he looked at me white as the ghost and said, my business. He protected our business, y'all's business, and he loved yes. it. And that's the way he made money. I've also told Angelo he had me standing outside. I don't remember if it was Spartanburg or Greenville, 
because he thought somebody, the Crockers were stealing from him. And I'm clicking off numbers to see who's coming in the door. I'm standing up there like uh-huh. clicking little numbers. <laughs> no, hey, no, but you have to do that. And he yes. protected it, and he, and, he, and he lost more jobs defending the boys for their jobs. Let me tell you, when I first started for Crockett, when I first started from Crockett, well, when I was in Florida, this little dude that did the run of concession made a thousand pictures of me to help me out. So when I got to the Carolinas and I'm sitting there and I'm only working two days a week, you know, and I see some of the boys selling pictures. Well, I used to sell all the pictures for the guys in in Louisiana for uh, Mid-South. So I went to each one of the bookers. I went to each one of the bookers at the time. There were five bookers. And then I went to each one of the top guys that had pictures that they were selling. And I asked them if it was okay if I did mine. And they said, yeah, you know, I I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but I was making 10 or 20 extra dollars a night. You know? And um, in Greensboro, uh, one night, I get get to the matches in Greensboro, and Crockett pulls me in one of the dressing rooms. He looks at me and says, did you sell pictures last night? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, you're fired. And I went nuts off on Crockett. And I told Crockett, I said, I couldn't have made it in this territory with what they were paying me or this, that, or the other. And I was surviving and everything. And I walked out of the dressing room and I told Wahoo and I told Tully. And Wahoo and Tully Blanchard went in there and fought for my job and got my job back. Good. See, they See, those are stories you don't hear, Karen. You don't hear those kind of stories. Well, this is, and I I may have told you this in our speaking or whatever, is that back then, if you wanted to work for Crockett Promotions, they sold your pictures. Right. You didn't, you weren't allowed to sell them. But when Wahoo came in, he made the deal. He sold his own pictures. Yeah. And when they did arcades and they, they did them in all different cities on one night, I was shipping photos and stuff by bus back then and had different people in different towns selling our stuff. And I'd be standing there in Greensboro peddling it, you know. But he was the only one that made the deal with Crockett to begin with. I sell my own stuff. He did understand there was a a call for it, that people wanted it. And I think I've told you, Angelo, uh, it's not a done deal, but I'll know in the next couple of weeks. Uh, A&E is doing a, uh, a few, uh, some episodes about wrestling memorabilia. Yeah. And I spoke with the producer, and uh, I think we're going to meet in Orlando, and yeah. she's going to interview with me about making the wrestling robes and, and all of that. And oh, I'm wow. going to just yeah. talk. Well, I'll tell you I'm what, Karen, I actually know phenomenal. one of the producers of that show. And uh-huh. uh, and it looks like they're going to green light it. Yes, yes, I've kind of heard that, but I really wasn't going to announce it or anything until yes. she gets back with But she and I have talked extensively. But I'm going to talk about the fact that at that point in time, these guys weren't allowed to sell their wares. Uh-huh. They weren't allowed yeah. to sell their pictures. That was part of them getting to work for the promoter. The yeah. promoter Sam, was, what was um, what was the uh, the whole idea behind that? Why wouldn't they let you make an, a couple extra dollars? Well, uh, so well, they, they wanted, wanted. Yeah, they wanted the money. Yeah, yeah they wanted. Uh, they wanted to, if they were going to sell something of you, they wanted to uh, sell it and then give you like ten percent. Yeah, 
Yeah, but is twenty or thirty bucks going to make or break anybody? Really? When I, when I, it, it was it was making or breaking me. Well, you know, yeah, uh, here, yeah, here's a millionaire staring in my face because he won't pay me enough. I've got to supplement my own income. Yeah, you know, and yeah, but, you, know, you know, it's a power thing. About that, when when Karen Crockett was in four, yeah. and we, you know, she told us the, you know, she told the audience before that she used to ship uh, Wahoo's photos by bus to Briarwood Drive. Uh huh. Four twenty one. Yeah. Well, 421 Briarwood. Yes, 421. Briar, Briar well, actually said is that Sam that all the wives picked up the checks on Wednesday at 421 Briarwood. Oh, that's it. That's it. Yes, Karen. I'm sorry. You're yeah. Right. I, I, we picked up the checks, the boys' checks, because y'all were always out of town. We'd all meet up. The wives would all meet up. That's so weird. We'd all meet up. <laughs> <pick> up <the laughs> that's so weird. Yeah. You didn't traipse off to the Olive yeah. Garden now, did you? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Hey, I I actually sent Michelle today a YouTube uh, video, and Nolan, you know, my son Nolan, he loves wrestling. Uh -huh. Anyway, it's, it's our favorite Dusty interview, and Nicola is in it with... Uh -huh. And you can see which one is it? She is doing the best she can to not laugh. <laughs> <I bet. laughs> you can see it all over her face. But it's my favorite Dusty interview. And he's talking about rolling in the mud with the brothers and blah blah blah. It's so funny. And but I, I sent it to Michelle, but as I watched it, I just said, This has gotta make you smile today. And it's on YouTube. But you can look at <laughs> Nicholas's face. Sam, and it's all uh -huh. she must be. She must be biting the inside of her cheeks <laughs> to keep from laughing. Well, it was. It whose was page a, is it on? Whose page? Whose page um, is it on? It's on YouTube, who's, but it's an interview about Dusty, and I. He's talking about you know rolling in the mud with the brothers and standing in the line and lost. Sam, and, uh, if you go on YouTube. <laughs> And and search Dusty Rhodes baby doll promo. It pops up. Okay, I definitely do it. And if you, oh. oh God, she is. She has got to be. You can look at her and tell it's all she can do to hold it back. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and, and those are those moments yeah. that are priceless. Yeah. You got to see that because that's great. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna watch it. I'm definitely gonna watch it here in a little while. Oh God, this. Great. Yeah, that's yeah. that's. Now y'all, y'all are close friends now, right? Y'all friends. Nicola and I, yeah, we're friends. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah. and I, yeah. I've got the the greatest respect for her in the world. You know, um, I was a I was a horrible alcoholic. Please, I just want everybody to know I was I was lost to my addiction. I you know, um, but I'm you know I'm I'm coming back. You know, um. Yeah. Well, Sam, I, when I got lost, you. yeah. Let me let me tell you. In the interest of full disclosure, uh, Nicola Roberts' baby doll has been here twice before, and she's coming uh -huh. back uh, this month. As a matter of fact, uh huh. And uh, uh -huh. when we interviewed her, she spoke nothing but good praises of you. So uh, yeah, she's an awesome lady. She really is. 
you know, and yeah, I, 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 I was an alcoholic. You know, she has she's done a, a, a what a wonderful job. I couldn't be more prouder of both my girls. You know, yeah. and and I know it wasn't me that did it. I I was lost them on the road and lost in my addiction. You know, yeah, Nicola did that. Thank you so much. Yeah, they kind of look like me. Yeah, they kind of look like they they remind me of uh, me and Nicola kind of crossed. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah, I think so. I think so. But. So, but oh. anyway, you, got, you, you get off here, you got to look it up. Because you'll go back to the time when, like, those times, and you can just, it's so, I couldn't even look at Dusty and listen to it without looking at her. She's got to be biting me. <laughs> 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 I'll, I'll definitely I'll check it out. You, you know, yeah. that, oh. that goes yeah, to, uh, that, that goes to what so we've talked about before. Sam, I really appreciate well, it. I, hey, I'm so glad to talk to you, honey, and we'll talk later. And listen, you need you need to tune in too, because in the, on June 30th, it's got to be me, Barbara Goodish, which is Bridget Brody's wife. Oh, I love Barbara. Yeah, and I love Barbara. Yeah, and Carol Snuka, and it's going to be me, okay. Carol Snuka, and Barbara Goodish. The three of us. It's going to be like wives of wrestling. So you yeah. got to do uh -huh. that show. Yeah, Sam, we're doing the show. I, I will. Wrestling Wives. Okay. Hey, just send me the links and everything all the time, you know, and I don't mind posting it or, or, or what have you. You know, I enjoy doing the show. <laughs> and then every time I want to, you know, get something out there because I'm doing quite a lot of, a lot of different things. I mean, today I was uh, repairing a home for um, – uh, for a couple, a, a young couple, but I was doing it through the church. Um, yeah. Oh, and you know, uh, and tomorrow I'm going to go put French doors in the house in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, so, you know, I'm trying to help out and do as much as I can. Every, you know, so I'd like to be able to holler, holler back because the the making the tables and everything for Kamala and for Amber, you know. I, Huh? I saw that on your Facebook. Yes, ma'am. I'm trying to raise money. Yeah. I, I've got a whole bunch of uh, pieces of wood in Texas. I just lost everything in Texas to a tornado. Uh, so yeah. those pieces of wood, I'm, I, I've got to make a trip back through there uh, in the next couple of weeks and pick up all that, that timber. I probably got about, I don't know, 4,000 pounds of, of uh, wood that I can do tables and bars out of. And then I want to put those up for auction for, you know, and all the proceeds go because you know, all it does is, you know, it's something I can give back with. You know, it's not costing yeah. me really a lot of money. It's something I can do that I enjoy. I can, you know, and I, and, and I can fulfill needs for other people that way. You know, I spent like a lot of time in prison working my way back up, you know, and I, when you work in prison, you're realizing you're working for your food or you're working for free, basically. So that's when I got back to the point of, hey, man, when I'm working, I'm going to do something the best I can do no matter what. You know, some guys will just do enough to get by. And I was guilty of that for a long time. And it wasn't until prison to where I found that, step, that thing in myself that says, go one step further. 
I think I was telling you the story the other night about Paul Ellering telling me that you always go that one step further. Well, I lost that in my alcoholism and my addiction and when I got hurt and everything, and I did just enough to get by. And I don't want to do I just enough to get by. I love the fact that you, you can talk to us and admit. So many people can't even admit their, their fault in their life, you know? And anybody that can admit the fault can go come back from that. I truly yeah. believe that. Oh, yeah. Well, well, well see, first of all, yeah. You know, first of all, I know, uh, first of all, I know I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All I can do now, because I've been given the keys, he's given me the keys to heaven, he's given me the, ter the keys to eternal salvation. I can rise from that, and I can be the best that I can be for, you know, whatever I'm doing. I can put give it my full 100%. 100%. You know, people have different w ways of, uh, of, uh, of worshiping and giving praise and giving thanks. There are tribes that dance around a fire, but they're giving it everything they got when they dance around that fire, and they're praising their creator, you know, and that's what, that's what he wants out of us. Sure. You know, he didn't want us to stop and go, oh, well, you know, you know, I'm not like that. I'm going to live. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, know? you know, half the battle of owning your your issues is that once you own them, you can do what you want with them. Some people oh, yeah. take their problems and some people get rid of them. You own your alcoholism. So now you can throw it away. You don't need it anymore. Yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, but I got to tell you, it's it, it's like alcohol. I mean, I did, all, all the time I look back now and I, I go, all the times I was drunk, drink, drinking this, all the times weren't bad times. Some of them were the best times in my life, you know? I mean, how many, come on. I don't know how I got through almost getting eaten by cannibals. Not once, but twice, y'all. Yeah. They were carrying. They were carrying me to a big black pot. They, they're going to have Sam Houston, that other white meat, you know. But when I when the army people, when the army uh, personnel got me in the transport, and they told me, it said it's their religion. You're a warrior. You're a fighter. So. They see you as this great warrior, they, you know, so it's their religion. They eat you and you live through them. That's exactly. like, what? So, so the first night coming back from the ring, first night coming back from the ring, walking back to the, the, the back, I got a worse whooping than what I got when I was in the ring. And I was, I was covered up and I ran back to the crowd. I get back there and they they said, "Oh no, they're paying you honor. They're honoring you. They see you doing that in the ring, so they're going to give it back to you. They're showing you that they love you." And I was like, "Oh, really?" So I saved myself after that. I go do forty minutes in the ring, come out of the ring, and man, every time a face popped up, one went back down because they were coming to nail me. You know, it wasn't nothing to walk outside and somebody standing there with a spear and a great big machete. You know, I was like, what? <laughs> but, you know, I was there. <laughs>
But but it was a blessing too because Lord, I mean, I oh gosh, this brings back so many memories, and and it was me and Killer Brooke and Action Jackson and Charlie Norris. My God, that was a scary time, you know. Uh, but it's one of those. And somebody asked me uh, today. He said, if you could change anything in the world, is the next door neighbor here. He's from uh, the islands, uh, the the Cayman Islands. Anyway, he says, uh, he says, if I could change anything in my life, what would I change? And I sat there for a few minutes, and I stopped, and I uh, and I said, I wouldn't change anything. And he said, looked at me and he said, really? I said, yeah. I said, because it's every step in that, in that journey, every step that I've made in my journey of life have contributed to the person that I am today. Amen. I'm very happy with who I am today. And I couldn't be the person that I am today if I had not gone through all these other things. Karen, doesn't he sound wonderful? I agree with that. I totally agree with that. I you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I this, mean, I, I was, um, yeah. Mine started in this business when I was just a, a baby. Oh, you were, you know, you weren't even twelve. Honest to God, you didn't even look like you were twelve years old. <laughs> You're just all skinny. Yeah, but yeah, even though, even though. Even though we're we're talking about that my my naivety or whatever how you ever you say that word and everything, you can't take away from the fact that at fifteen years old, I was driving junkyard dog down the road in his big Mercedes in in Louisiana and everything, and we were putting on some miles. We were driving three thousand miles a week. Um, keep keep me up. We were uh, he was rolling he would lick cigarettes down and roll them in cocaine, and I'd smoke those. You know, I mean, I mean, it was a whole different life. It was a rock star, rock star style life for us. And there were no rules. You know, we made the rules up as we went. Yeah. And everybody, uh, I, I, I can't think of the word, adorned to them. Every, it didn't matter whether the cop pulled you. Well, they all loved y'all. Y'all could get away with anything. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, one night, one, one, one night, me and Wahoo got pulled over, coming back from Fayetteville. I think it was in Rockingham. We got pulled over, and Chief ran a red light, and he was he had taken his plate out of his mouth, and he had a knife in his teeth, and he was looking at me. He looked like a pirate. We, were, I'm not gonna lie, we were drinking Crown Roll and drinking beer and laughing and having a blast. So he puts the knife down. The cop walks up to the the car, and he starts, and he recognizes Chief. And he said, sorry, sir. He said, but you ran a red light. And Wahoo goes, I didn't see no red light. He said, yes, sir, back there. And he's pointing. And Wahoo said, well, I didn't see that. He said, it was y'all's fault. You got him hung too high. <laughs> he kind of talked to <laughs> We gave the guy a couple autographed pictures and left. And the guy's like, oh, we hung our red lights too high. Couldn't see. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Uh, that Darren, red light, thank you so much for joining us. I, I really appreciate you. I owe you Welcome. one, kid. I really appreciate you so much. All right. I'll, hey, I'll talk Karen, you. I love you. Thank, thank yes, you, ma'am, definitely. All right, we, I love you. Gotta, I know. We got to meet up, hug.
Oh, well, we do well because I'll be coming down to Florida soon. I'm going to start working for Hoffa, I think. I'm going to come down there and try to do some things with him. When I was down there a couple years ago, the first show I went and worked, uh, he had 79 people paid. On the fourth show, he had over 500. So I'm going to go, like, give, give him a shot. Where? Huh? Where In Mineola. Mineola. Where? Mineola. At the town hall. Where's, where's Mineola? I, I think it's about 40 minutes or so from Orlando. It's Polk County, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that's, you know, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in L.A., honey. Lower Alabama. It, it's called Panama. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. That's what I, I, I I'm from L.A. <laughs> I live in L.A. Well, you never know Lower where, Alabama. yeah, you never know, yeah, you never know where I show up. About five or six hours from me. So I'm up in the panhandle, up in that, yeah. you know, where I got I'm you. Out, you know where that It's a different world up here. I'm lower Alabama. We ain't really Florida. We just call it Florida. Lower Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, you never know, Karen. I, 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 I pop up at some of the wildest places. <laughs> well, anytime you're near, you let me know. I'll be there, okay? All right, sugar. Okay. I love you so much. Thank you so much. Karen, thanks right. so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You're welcome. Okay, honey. Bye-bye. 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 Oh, she's just awesome, y'all. Thank you. You are quite welcome. I'll tell you what. She is uh, a very dear friend. I've known her for a long time. And she's done my show twice, and she's coming back again. Cool, cool. Well, yeah. you know, well, she's my dear friend, and I've known her for a long time, too. So I don't have a show yet, but she's more than welcome to. She she dances across my heart every time I talk, talk well, to I'll her. I'll tell you what I'll do, it. Sam. Um, after we get off the air tonight, I will send you her number, all right? Okay, cool. Thank you. you got it. You I won't it. call her tonight. I'll give her a shout tomorrow. Sure. Or something. That'd be great. Yeah, I wanted to surprise you the other night, and she called, and I had my phone. It was on vibrate, and I didn't see it, and I was, ah, oh, damn. I said, I got to make it up to him. So I, I called Karen uh, Wednesday, yesterday, and said, you got to do like a, a, a run-in for Sam. I said, because he would just be so thrilled to hear from yeah, you she's, and talk oh, about she's the greatest. Yeah, she's, and she's wonderful. Yeah. Yes, she is. She, I think she was at Flair's party the night I stole Crockett's car. Um, uh, actually, the she, back yes. of the office. And you know what? She told that story on the air. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Sure uh, you know, I got to tell you, we set a record tonight. We've done an uh, hour and seven minutes without a single question. Right. Oh, I'm sorry. Did y'all want to ask something? Yeah, I'm going to start with uh, Jim Phillips. Go ahead, Jim. Okay, go for it, Jim. All right, brother. So whenever we did our article, this is actually going to lead into another story. But since we're talking about Dusty and we're talking about ribs, do you remember the story that you told me where you guys were fighting at uh, or wrestling at a civic center and there was an orchestra pit and Dusty Yes, ran? yes, yes. Tell oh, God. Tell these brothers that uh, story. Yeah, because that's great. Okay, I had just started wrestling. You know, it's you know I'm down in Florida. You know, 
and we were wrestling in uh, uh, Fort. I mean, uh, oh gosh, was it Fort Lauderdale? And Fort Lauderdale, the building was more like a theater uh, instead of a coliseum type setting. Well, anyway, oh gosh, um, we're sitting in the dressing room, and Dusty's wrestling Abdullah the Butcher in a main event. And, I mean, they're going at it tooth and nail, tooth and nail. Finally, Bill Alfonso, the bell's ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. We're all sitting in the dressing room. We're getting ready to go out and party. And uh, <laughs> Bill Alfonso comes up in the dressing room door, and he and he's covered in blood. And he goes, and he looks at us, and he, goes, and he just throws his hands up, and he goes, guys, he goes, I can't get him apart. He goes, I need help. So, you know, it's a run-in now, you know, and a young guy like me, you know, it's, it's you know, you know, hit the skids as fast as you can and get there. Well, usually the first couple of guys that get to the ring, you don't learn this till you get older, neither. Usually <laughs> the first couple of guys that get to the ring, you think you're getting ready to jump in there and do some good. I mean, you're going flying, Jack. <laughs> so... I mean, I jump in the ring and I run over there and Dusty snatches at me and he goes, he goes, I'm saving you, baby. <laughs> and he shoots me out of the ring. Well, he throws me to the arena part. Well, he, he throws me to the arena part, to the theater part. So not where the chairs are. There's three sides of the ring that have chairs and the other side doesn't have chairs. It's got an orchestra pit. <laughs> that orchestra pit oh, is about, I don't know, a 12-foot further drop than just what floor level would have been. Oh, and when, it, when I hit, oh, I come down my right knee. I, oh, that's why I started going uh, with those uh, neoprene knee braces. Those are the best things for your knees, guys. If you ever have any knee trouble or knee, you know, knee issues, get you a, those neoprene uh, knee braces. Get it just tight enough to where you know it's snug, but not uh, where it'll cut off circulation. Yeah, you know, and it gives you support and everything. That's that's for thirty five years. That's what's helped me. But that was what what caused it. But yeah, but he threw me right out of the ring, right into the orchestra pit. So boom, I land there and I'm laying. Now the matches are over, orders restored, all the guys are back in the dressing rooms and everything, the people are leaving, and I'm still laying in this orchestra pit. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, I think it was Mike Davis and Hector Guerrero come looking for me and found me. You know, he was oh back up God. there. So. Oh, it's such a great story. Thank you, Sam. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah, you're welcome, man. But, yeah, because, baby, you know, I'm saving you, baby. I you love know? it. Dan Dusty, the man. Dusty, Why don't you do our, yeah, uh, Dusty was was the greatest. Hold on, let me tell you. Dusty <laughs> called me in the office uh, one day when 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 you know because the people just I mean when it happened for me it just boom it, it was like the Carolinas lit on fire for me. So Dusty calls me in the office and he's trying to teach me about business and telling me about business and he he sits me down and he goes, "Well, Timmy." He goes, be on a ride, baby, a ride across the sky on the edge of a lightning bolt. We sit in lightning and fodden thunder, baby. He <laughs> said, no, baby, he goes, I want you to understand, he said, in this business, he said, I'm the booker here. He said, and you spell booker, B-O-S-S. -S. 
he said, and this is my book. And he holds up his red book. He said, and this is my book and my pencil. He said, now being the boss, he goes, I get the pencil. He goes, now my book here, he goes, it takes an awful lot of hard work to get your initials wrote down in my book. He goes, it, it don't take see it, baby, to get your initials raced. He goes, I got a little bitty pencil and a great big eraser, you know? <laughs> but that was my big speech, you know, <laughs> following orders. And I, I, and I wasn't really good. He told me, he said, he goes, he goes, if I could just harness you, he said, your essence, everything that is you, because I got that squirrel disease. Man, I'll be going like boom, 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 boom. All of a sudden, I'll see something, something will catch mine. I got to handle that, too, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, and it's not like it's not like it's slowing me down or knocking me out of my my way or anything. It's just something I feel driven that I've got to do, and it's a feeling that I've got. Yeah. And that's how I live my life. You know, I try to live my life with my heart, not with my mind. Absolutely. You know, well, that girl down in South Florida. Do. Speaking of something to do, we got to do a commercial right now. Dan, why don't you sure. hit our commercial? Say again. You want me to do what? Do a commercial. commercial. Oh, yes. The uh, show uh, here, uh, Wrestling with the Future, we are part glad, excuse me, we are proud to partner with our friends at manscaped.com. Uh, as we say on the show lately, life's been nuts. And to be honest, it's sometimes even hard to get out of the sack. But now, as we head back into the field of life with the help of Manscaped men's personal grooming supplies, life is truly a whole new ballgame. For those out there interested, manscaped.com. Try the promo code WRESTLINGFUTURE. You'll get 20% off your purchase. Any of the promo deals and packages that Manscaped offers, 20% off an even better deal for Wrestling with the Future and our friends at manscaped.com for all your man grooming needs. And Dan, it's balls to the walls. Wrestling with the Future and Manscaped. So go ahead, Dan, ask a question. We got Sam. So I've got uh, only one for, for you tonight since it's about what we've got with time. Uh, I ask this of every former wrestler we have on the show. A oh, long we got time all ago, night long. Sam ain't going nowhere. Long, long time ago, uh, Eddie Graham mentioned, he said, a uh, quote that stuck with me for a long time. He said, everybody in wrestling has a uh, first love and a true love. So I'm curious, having traveled the territories and been in the business for so long, what was you, who was your, when he said true love of wrestling, it's the person, your favorite person to work with, the he used to say the guy you you'd crawl on hands and knees to the next territory to work with. Did you have a favorite um, somebody you absolutely went out of your way to want to be a part, uh, be matched, be matched with, and work with? Yes, it was, but it wasn't just one. It, it was quite a few. Yeah, you know, okay, uh, and for different reasons. The intensity Arn Anderson and I shared in the ring. Wow. Oh, God. I mean, I couldn't get enough of working with Arn. Tully Blanchard. I always learned. God, I always learned, you know. Uh, and and long, for a long time, I didn't like Tully, you know, because of how he treated uh, Nicola, you know. Um, ooh, ooh, ooh. You know, I just didn't like him. But I didn't realize I, I learned so much from him. And I've thanked him since then. But when I worked with Kurt Henning, oh, Kurt and I had, like, awesome matches. Mm-hmm. Eddie Gilbert was one of those. Black Bart, even though the, the matches weren't Brad Armstrong pretty, you know what I mean? Ricky right. Steamboat, even though it was like a club fest with Bart. God, I mean, when you after you watched me and Bart, you knew you just saw a fight. 
You got your you know? money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you, you know, know um, Barry Darso, uh, Crusher Khrushchev, you know, he come up to me in Vegas at the CACs, and he stopped, you know, and, he, and we shook hands and everything, and we were talking, because I've known Barry since before I started wrestling, back when he was Crusher Darso, and he came and worked in Louisiana. You know, uh, so, but uh, he come to me and he said, Sam, he said, I got to tell you, he said, all, he said, all of the greatest matches in my career were with you. Nice. All of the greatest matches in his career were with me. Wow. You know, that blew me away. I worked in a, a town uh, in Minneapolis after the floods in 2016 when it got me back on the road. And I worked with this kid up in Minnesota. And then uh, I worked a show with him. And then two weeks later, you know, I would seen this guy popping off on front row. I didn't know who he was. So two weeks later, I went to another show there. And while I was there, this guy that had been acting like a clown on front row come over there, and he introduced himself to me. He said, "He said, sir, he said, that fellow that you wrestled with two weeks ago, he said, that was my son. He said, he's been in the wrestling business for 27 years. Hmm. And he said, he said, I just wanted to tell you, after the matches the other night, my son sat at the kitchen table and cried. He said, that was the best match of his career. Awesome. You know? And I feel like really honored when I hear stories like this, you know, because I always go out there and give it my all and I'm adaptable. I can work with a whole lot of different people in different styles. I loved working with Big Boss, man. Of course, I, I was, you know, instrumental in his training. He was I was working against him almost every night in Kansas City as Big Bubba Rogers. So when he did come up to uh, work for events as the Big Boss, man, I mean, we had some barn burners. We we got stuff that sure. that, that they pulled off of YouTube because the network pulled it pulled it down. Yeah. So they can only have it on on their thing. Right. But it's on yeah. some of it's on video daily motion or something. But you know, when you go out there and you can produce, Kurt Hang and I. Oh gosh, he was awesome. We gelled so good. Oh, we had a blast. Yeah, you know. You know I, sure. I'll tell you, I've only seen you wrestle once. Uh, it was a WWF show when I was a kid, and you wrestled Barry Horowitz. And uh -huh. it, it was at that point, you know, you had Barry Horowitz, the, the jobber to the stars, and you were kind of slowly working your way down the card at that point. And for a match that had, and I mean this is in the most respectful way possible, had absolutely no business being as good as it was. I mean, you still, you came out and you did the dance and you still got the pop and you could still hear the, the women and... You guys, I was probably, I'd say maybe about 12, 15 minutes, pretty decent run. And it was, I mean, one of the best matches I'd seen at that point in my life. And this was, like I said, you guys had no business, really, when you think about where you were building and, and what was to come later in the show, being as good as you were. And it was over. And it goes to what we were talking about last time you were here with the 150%, that extra gear that you mentioned just for what what today would have been a, a, a two-minute throwaway, you guys went out and poured your heart into the ring, and the crowd knew it, and it was one yeah. of the best matches of the night, and I think you were second or third on the card at that point, and it was uh -huh. still just, I mean, it was great. And that's that's a testament that, that I've seen, and I've seen a lot of your tapes. Anybody gets in the ring, I mean, guys, you mentioned Big Boss Man or uh, Ron Bass, Black Bart. These are guys that, have, that can have 
and, and again, I mean this as a, as a credit to you, they, they can have stinkers if they're in the wrong, ring with the wrong guy. Yes, and you, yes. You bring they, the and they did. Hall of Fame caliber matches. Yeah, they did have some stinkers. That's why I think that's why a lot of people look forward to working with me too. You know, because they knew I was going to go out there. See, I learned something very young, very early in the business. People are worried about their characters and are worried about this side or the other. What you need to be worried about is getting over in the ring. Now, exactly. What what a professional wrestler wants to do is go get his match over. He's in one match. He needs to go get that over. Good, not get him care his character over. Not get this over. Not get the gimmick over. He needs to go out there and get the match over. <clears throat> okay, if two guys get ready to go out to the ring, and this guy's worried about him getting himself over, and this guy's worried about him getting himself over. Well, they're both going to go out there, and they're going to do their little stuff and everything, get all their little signature moves in and everything else, and people are going to sit there, and nothing's going to get over. Exactly. They're going to got their stuff in, did their stuff, and one, two, three, it's over. Or DQ, it's over. He pulled his trunks, it's over. Who cares? Get out of the ring, let's see the next acrobats coming in. But if two guys go out there and show competition and work to get each other over, like if I go out there to work to get Kurt over and Kurt goes out there to get me over, then the match gets over and we both get over. Sam, so I got a question it's, it's for a you. Really, it's a really simple, simple, uh, oh gosh, uh, formula. Mm. Sam, I've got a question Basically. for you. I've asked it. Sure. Dan will tell you. I've asked this question of every guest that's been on the show, and I have yet to have the same answer twice. What's the difference between getting over and being over? Well, uh, okay, if if like being over, that's that's something you would like. Uh, I would uh, attribute to. The Crusher or uh, the Bruiser or, you know, Brody or something getting over somebody, you know, going out there and giving it everything they got to make you believe you already believe in those other guys. Oh, sure. Yeah. So they're already over. They don't need any help to be over. You know, they just got to show life. You know, and that's one of the things like me, I, I always showed fire. I always had, you know, oh, yeah. out of nowhere, boom. You know, but you got to yeah. figure in a real fight, in a real fight, if any time you got a chance to catch your breath, you got time to throw a shot. Yeah. You know, absolutely. and when you get in the ring and, and when you got in the ring, you got, you got to get in there with that mentality, you know? Yeah. You know, you can get out there and showboat and show your butt a little bit and this, that, and the other, but if yeah. you're not taking care of business, business ain't going to take care of you. Yep. Well, speaking of business, I got a question for you, and I'm going to turn it over to Benny Scala from Ocala. Okay. When you went to the WWF, they had you do this quirky two-step. Where'd that come from? Whose idea was that? And, and why was well, there a need? Why, why the need all of a sudden to do a two-step? Well, one of the things that, I mean, I was quite the dancer and everything, and when I left uh, Kansas City Territory, I had just started with the ring music. And at the time, I was playing Thin Lizzy, a cowboy song. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, so when I went to work for Watts, they put that on. Well, it was a long way from the from the dressing room at Billy Bob's to the ring. Yeah. 
you know, and I was listening going to that music, and and I used to dance like that in the bar anyway. After you know, because I gave it all, I, I gave it all I had in the ring, and at the bar afterwards, I did too. You know, I, so I'd be in the bars dancing. That's what I'd be doing. I'd be two stepping, and then finally, uh, Watts saw it, I believe, first and wanted me doing that on TV, and then Vince Vince fell in love with it too. So when Crockett come in and bought Watts out and told everybody they weren't gonna. Every, nobody was going to lose their job. Then he turned around and fired Nicola and I had Eddie Gilbert call up, uh, call me in and tell me. Yeah. So, but Eddie was a real professional, you know, on my way out and everything like that. They really took care of me. You know, they didn't yeah, feed sure. me to the wolves or anything like that. And then the last night I worked for Watts, I think me and Eddie worked in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. We were the fifth match on the card. We went out there and we worked 58 minutes. Wow. Had the people on their feet just about the whole time. And when he made it back to the dressing room, <laughs> the Freebirds, Steve Williams, everybody had belts. And we, oh, man, they were whipping the snot out of us. Because <laughs> yeah. we'd gone out there and we went, went so long and we had just like we tore the house down. You know? Big Ben, you're up, brother. Well, uh, the first thing I want to say is, uh, Sam, I think you should give JBL Texas two-step lessons because you were way better <laughs> than him. Just my opinion. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I tried when we were – see, I, he was my tag team partner in Texas for a little while when he was John Hawk yeah. when he first broke in. Yep. They put me and uh, him together against a Rock and Roll Express. And Ricky and Robert used to threaten me. They say, Sam, if you tag that son of a bitch in, we're going to kill you. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because that was one of the matches that I, that I almost chose to show tonight. Because we are uh, going to show a match of yours tonight. And uh, and actually, I want uh, I want Jim and, uh, and Ben, uh, Big Ben... To uh to do uh play by play on it, Sam, as we uh we watch together. So um we're gonna do that right now. So let's take a look at this match from WCW Saturday night. Okay. Go ahead, you guys. Let's see what we get up here. We got stunning Steve Williams Lady coming Blossom. to the ring with Lady Blossom. Oh, yeah. That, uh, am I wearing a leg brace or a neoprene thing on my thigh? Steve Williams is still making his way into the ring. Oh, there he is. Sam's getting his two-step. Yeah, you do. You got, you have a, you got one on each knee. No, no, no. Uh, do I have one on my side, on my oh, right yeah, side? Oh, yeah, you sure do. Yes, you yep. do. Right side. Okay. Yeah. I had torn that out working with Scott Hall in, uh, torn my thigh muscle out and working with Scott Hall in St. Louis. And in those matches I worked with Steve with a torn out thigh. That's the reason I went to Japan so many times. I hopped back it from the Omni on one leg. I'd go, to, go out there. And we're, if you'll notice in this match, wherever I land, I'm pulling myself up with the ropes because yeah, my thigh notice. was torn. Yeah, uh, and Hero Matsuda said, "We want you, Japan." I said, "Why?" I said, "You know, I couldn't you know? Wasn't that great?" I, 
He said, "Cause you know, he said, you know what? You know, you're not a girl." Because guys were flying over there for a six-week tour, and second night or third night, they're deciding they don't want to put up with it because it's brutal over there, y'all. Yeah, I mean, sure. if you can't defend yourself, you don't got no re- you, you ain't got no no <laughs> business going if you can't defend yourself. Yeah, you know, Benny, uh, tell Sam what we're watching, Benny. This is uh, at that time stunning Steve Austin, which he looks so funny with hair. It's hard to believe that that's actually Stone Cold Steve Austin. But yeah, yeah, he's great. But because of him uh, working with working with him, that's you know, and I was able to go out there and produce and you know give it my all because that's what we we tried to work together. Sam, you know, I was that was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you because I saw the match against Black Bart for the Mid Atlantic Title, and uh-huh. you, you did some moves that actually like were way ahead of its time. You did, I, you were the first wrestler that I ever saw do a sling blade. They called it a clothesline. But it was absolutely a sling blade. You bounced off the ropes and you did a, a, a textbook sling blade. And I you know, I probably didn't see that again for another 20 years. And um, uh-huh. he also did, uh, he whipped you off the ropes. And you uh, bounced off the ropes and did a bulldog off the ropes, which I had never seen before. Yeah, I had I came up with that move when, we, when Nelson Roll and I were working out and training with Ken Shamrock back in the 80s. I wanted to add, you know, like I said the other night, I wanted to surprise people with my bulldog the way Jake did with his DDT. Was, and then yeah, I, like, I figured the way, I figured a way, you know, because when you bulldog something, you're jumping off a horse. So and for that movement, I'm coming off the ropes. And I just need to come off and snatch that head and go down and throw that left leg out. That's where the, that's where all the, the beauty of it. If you, if you ever watch my, watch how I land on my left side. And that's where, where it's all at. That's because you're laying out and you're laying into them. And that's where the beauty is. A lot of other people doing see me do a bulldog like that. Oh, they won't run over there, grab you by the back of their head, and, you know, fall down on their ass. That's not a bulldog. Yeah. Sam, I'm looking at your face during this match, and you look like you're in distress. You look like you're hurting. Oh, probably was. <laughs> I got a torn thigh. You got to think every step I'm taking hurt, and, and I never yeah. was a big pill popper, but you know, if it was for WCW, I wasn't drinking before the matches, but the Lord knows I'd be drinking afterwards. And the other thing I'm impressed by is you got a hell of a working punch. Oh, thank you very much. Oh. You know, it's all in the follow through. Yeah. You know? It's just probably one of the best working punches I've oh. seen in a really long time. And you don't well, see it that can kind of be, it, yeah, it can it very easily can go just that one step further. <laughs> I've got one of the hardest overhand rights across many of I <laughs> with that Jim, I nailed Jim, Jim Neidhart in Lake Placid, New York, crossed his eyes and sat him with the bottom turnbuckle. And I was like, oh my God, he's going to kill me. But he yeah. spun me around where I was throwing a shot. And he walked and up to me in the battle roll, and he stood standing there, and he goes, Sam, don't you ever <laughs> hit me again. <laughs> but I crossed his eyes. Steve I used to do that. Win. Yeah, but I used to do that to Mike Davis all the time, cross his eyes. <laughs> you, really you, put, you really put Steve over in that match. 
and you wrestled a, a serious fast-paced match for someone with a leg injury. That was yeah. in out of the ring. Yeah. Not really even just that. It's, 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 it's what I said the other night, you know, when Terry Funk had a broken hip, you know, and he's, oh, these people paid money to see me, you know. Those yeah. people paid money to see me, and they didn't pay to see me hurting and over there and not. They came to see, uh, you know, sure. I've got the opportunity to be king of the world right now for you people. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. I got I, I've got the center stage. All attention is on me. What am I going to do? Am I going to cower down in the corner and not produce? Or am I going to stand there and give it my all to, you know, what am I, That's what true. is my dream? Is my dream to be uh, lackadaisical? Is my dream to be second best? No. You know, let's put the reality back into it. We all know that champions aren't real, but a person can be a legend through this stuff. You know, people call me legend all the time, and I'm like, oh, shucks, you know. And I don't know if I'm deserving of that title, you know. But everywhere I go, people are telling me that. Go ahead, Dan. You know, to me... Yeah, to me, I, I, you know, I'm my, I'm, I'm a servant. I'm a servant to my father. I'm a servant to my brothers and sisters out there. You know. I, no, I think it's uh, it's impressive. You you were talking about the the injury, and not just the fast paced match to expand on what Jim was saying, but you were shooting off the ropes. You kicked uh, you kicked off on him, and you took a a bump to the outside, which you landed on your feet. So, I mean, that's, that wasn't even just an easy match. That would have been hard with healthy legs. But I, I want to expand on that a little bit. Your, uh, what Ange, uh, was mentioned with you putting Steve over, it, obviously you're running WCW. You were definitely there to, to make a lot of the other guys look good, and you did. Uh, I'm curious, do you, what, was your, what, what match in your shorter run in WCW were you most proud of? What, uh, actually, oh gosh, um, actually it wouldn't be a match. It would be, uh, the workout sessions I did at the power plant with Charlie Norris. I mean, we'd get in there for a couple of hours, you know, every day and we get in there and train. Everybody else had five rings in that place. All the action would stop everywhere else and all eyes would be on us Hmm. watching us for two, two hours, two and a half. Orndorff can tell you. Black Jack Mulligan was there. Sarge, uh, Buddy Lee Parker, he was there. Uh, you know, um, but all the, all these fellas, you know, uh, but I showed Charlie some good stuff and, and then I was able to test myself, you know, and, and after about three months, that's when Charlie came to me and he told me, he said, you need to be back in there. And I told him, I said, my career is over. I said, I've been hurt. i have been par- partially paralyzed for almost nine months. Yeah, you know yeah, my my career was over, and then the Northridge earthquake hit, and I re-injured myself. I was down for six months. In, you know, I said my career is over. I've been hurt, and he said, Sam. He said, I'm I'm three inches taller than you. I'm sixty pounds heavier than you. We get in the ring. He goes, I'm giving you everything I got, and I can't do a damn thing with you. He said, you need to be back in there. And I, then I yeah. thought, and I said, I'd do it in a tag situation to where if I knew if I got hurt, that my partner's coming in there and killing everybody, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. And, uh, 
he he recommended Jake, and I told him, I said, Jake would throw me to the wolves, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah. then he told me, he said, he he would do it. Well, well you know, so Sam- when he got... When he got released from WCW, we got together in Texas and Minnesota and California. We made five trips to Japan, New Guinea. We were in Australia. You know, uh, we did quite a bit on the independent for uh, circuits for PWA and everything else. Sure. And you know, but life was a bit. Life was a big party. You know, Sam. You know, Dan uh, asked you. Um... Uh, a couple questions about, you know, some of your favorite people to work. Let's go on the opposite end of that. Let's talk okay. about somebody that you flatly refused to work with or uh, or didn't do business. Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, the, the only person ever, you know, what are, I, I ended up talking to his, his nephew, and what it was was the guy wouldn't work with me. His name was... Uh, something hog in Kansas city, but I've never really turned anybody down except for that. They were getting ready to do this reunion show yeah. in Dallas for the GWF. And that fellow had hepatitis C. Well, I don't want to get in the ring with that. Well, you sure. know? So that's the, the only people that I really haven't worked with. Now, the only person I really, uh, didn't want to do business, like you say, was one night with Terry Taylor, but that didn't happen either. So yeah, that was cool. But you know, any there they, and there were guys that were hard to work with, hard to get in the ring and work with. You yeah, know, absolutely. Steve Lombardi was no no walk in the park. Neither was Danny Davis. Oh yeah, you know. Um, well, we've heard stories about Lombardi for sure. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, but and I got, they, yeah. I, I, yeah, I got, a, I got a lot out of, I got a lot out of both of them, though. So, like, you know, I, I'm just gonna say they weren't. It wasn't like looking, looking, being all happy that you're wrestling Kurt Henning, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, yeah, Kurt, all right. The, a little, a little uh, bit of facts for the uh, fans and audience out there, and I know you probably remember this, Sam, when. Danny converted. Danny Davis converted from wrestler, uh, referee to wrestler. Referee. You were the one that ended his undefeated streak. Yeah. Right. Oh wow! I didn't know that. Never knew that. Yeah. Oh sure. Oh wow! I didn't yeah. know that. I find out all kinds of stuff way after the fact. Oh. <laughs> Scala from O'Cal, no, but- you're up, brother. Well, I have a. Uh, I, I listened to a couple of Sam shoot interviews and. I have a, a something I wanted to talk to Sam about. I think that almost anybody could relate to. Uh, Sam, you were working in the central states, and uh, I guess Crockett bought the territory, and you had done uh-huh. work with, I think, uh, uh, was it Warlord in Omaha? Yeah. And you drew, I think you said $63,000. $63,000 and got and, paid $75. And you went, to get your, you went to get your payoff, and it was $75. And I'm thinking, like, we could we, any of us that have ever worked for commission can only imagine, like, busting our butts and bringing $63,000 single-handedly, pretty much, to our bosses and getting about a penny and a half back on a dollar. So I just wanted to yeah, and then I, Yeah, and then I get told, then I get told, well, baby, I said, when are we going back? And they said, y'all's office ain't going back. He said, this is, looks like a... Uh, this looks like a valuable commodity for the, for the main office. You know, so I, because it had potential, 
So instead of uh, yeah. keeping it for like for the territory, instead they they farm that out to Crockett because they were going starting to go nationwide or trying to. So that was their mid yeah. stop. Wow. Yeah. Jim Phillips, go for it, Jim. Okay, brother. So we were talking earlier about being in the ring with different people and how you worked as pretty much a mechanic in WCW while you were there. Is there any of those young guys, kind of like a Steve Williams that was coming up, that when you got in the ring with them, you just knew that this person was going to be over and it was just a matter of time before the doors opened? Oh, yeah. Sting was like that. Steiner. But I worked with Sting and Steiner when I was working for, uh, it wasn't WCW, it was uh, UWF for Bill Watts. Um, I was working with them almost every night besides them and Eddie Gilbert. Uh, but yeah, I kind of, I, I knew Sting had something with him. Uh, Steiner had something with him. Uh, gosh, I knew Scott Hall, Scott Hall, when I was working with him in, uh, WCW, he was the diamond stud. I knew if he could put it together, if he could ever put it all together, he'd make it. Right. But you know, Scott, oh gosh, you know, when Scott was in Minnesota and stuff like when Scott and, uh, Danny Spivey both started out. I broke them both in. I, I trained them both. Uh, they were supposed to be the American starship. But, you know, they both had egos and stuff like that, so the tag team didn't go so well. You know, it didn't take long for it to break up. And they were in the Kansas City Territory, so Scott Hall went up to Minnesota from there. Dan Spivey went back to Charlotte. And then Dan went to uh, went to work for Vince and Scott Hall. And, you know, and everybody knows you know, Scott Hall came back. He, then he was the diamond stud for uh, Dallas Page and WCW, then Razor Ramon. Then back to WCW is Scott Hall. Yeah. You know? But Scott was fun to work with. I mean, I had fun. I, uh, to me, it was my job. But it was also my, you know, my fun time. It's what I'm getting out of here, getting paid to do what I love doing. Yeah, absolutely. You're very fortunate, my friend. Very, very fortunate. Very much. So. And thank God you're still with us and uh, doing well. <laughs> and I cannot thank you enough for being so generous with your time for two nights. Yes, sir. And uh, you know what? I, I think we like you here, and I think we'd like to maybe bring you back. I would. I'd love it. You know, guys. I, I, you know, and, and I love talking about the, all the wrestling stories and stuff like this too. But I want to get how more personal with your listeners and everybody that, that's out there to let you know these things that I'm trying to do to help people. I can't do it all alone, and right. I need some help, you know? Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, the, these fellas that, I'm, um, that, that have taken an interest in me here with Big Pop Productions coming up, and then Reverend Walt uh, Smith there in, uh, in Lumberton, he's got a television station. They're going to let me have a show to do to where I can help these people. Like I said, during this coronavirus and everything, there's what, what uh, three different ladies, disabled ladies that are, you know, uh, that have issues and they're on fixed incomes. And I've been working through the church to fix their homes and stuff. Well, let me uh, let me fix their homes and show you show the people what I'm doing. And like I said, I'm having to oh gosh, just scrape through it and and do whatever I can. Maybe we could get some supplies, you know, or some yeah. things together to help these people. Sam, you know, you're built, in Florida, oh, right? Gosh. 
No, I'm in North Carolina currently. Oh, North Carolina. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm about 20 miles outside of Charlotte, you know? Okay. Um, but, you know, but the but the Almighty's given all these opportunities. Yeah, man, I got a long way to go to get to where I need to be as far as, you know, uh, me, as far as me, you know, uh, I've got a book coming out. I, I'm on the verge, but I can't stop long enough to f- complete one of the things that'll help me until I, I till, until I can get some breathing room. I'm well, to I tell you, the, the reason I'm asking, um, uh, how far are you from Jacksonville, Florida? I'm asking for a very specific reason. I'll tell you why. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I'm about eight hours from Orlando. Okay. We have a guy on our team here. He's a uh, a filmmaker. His name's Mike Messier. He's a documentarian. Yeah, I spoke with him. Yeah, I spoke with him the other night. I want to speak with him. Yeah, well, I want to send him to you. What I'd okay. like to do is I'd like to get something on film and then show it on our channel. Wow. Okay. Uh, and, and help promote. Now, if there's anything that we can do at Wrestling with the Future, my door is open to you. You just let me know. Okay, I sure will. All right, and I'm going to I get sure Mike Messier, and I'm going to get you together with Mike. Okay, okay. I want something on film. Um, <laughs> you sure got it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We'll take care of it. Um, yeah. Okay. Great. Because I want to. You know, I want to do. Uh, it's a project that I started working with uh, Jamie Morris, a disabled veteran, that I helped out, and he started helping me with the social media. We started a project called My Scars Tell a Story, and I want to get that get that project out there. And I, I, I think Mike would be the person to talk to to help me bring Absolutely. this uh, project to fruitation and completion. Absolutely. All you know, right. Well, listen, uh, my friend, I am going to let you go. Um, okay. I will call you tomorrow, if that's all right. Yes, sir, it is. All right. And uh, when we hang up, I want you to check your phone because I sent you a little gift. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate you it. And I'll speak with welcome. you tomorrow. All, All right. right. Y'all have a blessed evening. You, you too. Sam. Take you. care, Sam. God bless. God bless. Bye bye. Have a good one. Great night. Thank you, Sam. Bye bye. That was a great interview. Very much so. That was a great interview. I just sent him Karen McDaniel's phone number. So many stories. Well, Jim, I'll tell you what. uh, You guys know. Benny, Dan, you guys know you're with me every week. That's the longest we've gone without a question. Yeah, we probably could have went another hour. Over an an hour hour and 12 minutes without a question. We probably could have went another hour and 12 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Brother, let we, me tell you something. You, we barely, and he, he, he didn't even get started telling no, the story. Right, <laughs> and we, I was going to say this is an hour and a half yesterday, two hours today, and we're at five percent of what it seems like he's wanted to say. Right. I know. I mean, right. <laughs> we're we're going to be on Sam Houston Crazy. part thirty-four by the right. by the end of the year, and still haven't I finished know. everything. Well, you know, and I, the reason I told him about Mikey, and I, and I. You know, and I hooked him up with Mikey is that I want I know what he's involved with and I know what he's got going on. Um, I want I want something on film. I want to definitely, uh, you know, broadcast his testimony and his other projects mm-hmm. on the uh, on the YouTube channel. 
We are going to have a website. I'll just tell everybody that right now. We will have a website. So look for WrestlingWithTheFuture.com, and everything will be on the website. So, uh, Jim, what do you think your first time out with us? It was good, man. Like like you say, whenever you're dealing with these guys from the classic wrestling era, you can just kind of like wind them up and let them go, man, and they can talk forever. But Yeah. Being well, able he to and Karen spoke for 36 man. minutes. Right. <laughs> did. Yeah, Jim came on tonight because he was going to make a couple big announcements. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> ah, it's okay, man. That's okay. Well, if you, I mean, you go ahead. If you want to plug anything, go for it. Uh, you can uh, definitely find me at thegorillaposition.com. And the announcements were I'm expanding out. Last week, I got picked up by Pro Wrestling Stories out of the UK. And Beautiful. Next, next week, you'll be able to find me on Pro Wrestling Post out of Canada. So Terrific. Yeah, we're, we're expanding the brand over here. <laughs> well, put us over, brother. There's a spot on you. I bet. Okay. Yeah, I you put us that. over. I got plenty of room on board here. <laughs> Rock and roll, man. I'm always ready to do something like that. I've got a few other little the fire. Um, keep this kayfabe just between us. Yes, but sir. I was approached about a week or so ago about doing an internet radio thing, kind of not an interview segment like you guys do, but more of a historical sit down and talk for an hour. Maybe get some friends to call in type thing. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I've got sure. on that in the future. So I may actually hit you up for some advice. Absolutely. Benny, uh, you're uh, you're familiar with Pro Wrestling Stories, right? I actually have a couple of stories published on there. Excellent. Okay. JP's yeah. great. Very right. good site. There's, if you like old school wrestling stories, th- there's so many stories on there about just about anybody you want to, you know, Fred Blassie, Bruno. And you name oh, it, God, there's sure. stories on there about them. And their Facebook page alone, I think, has about 230,000 followers. I I yeah, we want that. Response. Amazing response. Well, we're, we're on there now, so we're... Yeah, I got an amazing response out of that. Yeah, it's great. Beautiful. Dan, what we got going on, brother? Oh, we've got uh, a lot of good Who's shows coming, coming on, up. Dan? What's that? Who's coming on here? What we got oh, coming I know, on? Uh, we touched on, obviously, Karen... Build the beans on our wives of wrestling show coming up. We uh, we've got another some returning guests that we've had on the show before. Uh, we've got Bill Dundee coming back. We've got uh, obviously Angelo. You you were talking last last week when you hyped up some of the uh, the potential future guests that we have on. Yeah, and we're going to continue looking. Go ahead. Got confirmation. Lanny Poffel is coming back. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, Lanny's uh, coming back for part two. Those fans that remember that, our, our conversation with Lanny was very informative. He touched on a yeah. lot of, and and I, I give uh, Lanny, uh, uh, we, we talked about before with uh, the fact that nothing was off limits with him and he was willing to talk about any and everything. Yeah, so everything's he, on the table. Exactly. Yeah. He, so he's uh, coming he's back one, uh, so. July 30th with go. Lanny Poffo. That's going to be a Thursday night show. Nice. But yeah, we. So, uh, uh, what else we got going on, brother? Uh, well, I mean, because I can't the, keep everything straight. That's why I got you here. That's why I'm here. Yeah, obviously, Angelo touched on the website that's uh, in the works, and we continue West uh, Wrestling with the Future. We continue to expand. We, yes. uh, as as Angelo mentioned, our numbers uh, a couple weeks ago. We we brought it up on the show back in the second week of May. 
Wrestling with the Future hit a million downloads across our po- podcast networks, which is a huge, oh. huge, especially considering the average sports entertainment wrestling podcast lasts about four episodes. We've been around. Yeah, that's how we were able to get Manscaped. <laughs> yeah, they uh, put the numbers out. Uh, a sponsor. That's a huge. That's a huge growth. Uh, oh, like yeah. Jim was saying, you got to keep expanding the brand, and we're we're moving inward and uh, outward and upward. And we're going balls to the wall. Balls man. to the wall. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we uh, as obviously we're on Facebook, Wrestling with the Future podcast YouTube channel. You're watching us now. We're also on Twitter, Wrestling Future. No G. That's Wrestling Future. And I'm on Twitter at the man underscore WWTF. So don't forget to like, share, subscribe, buy the T-shirt. Yep. The links below. And uh, that's. I mean, we are keeping, uh, keeping hit the that good alert content to you, our fans. YouTube. You got to make sure we they hit that alert button for for upcoming shows and right uh, and, and information like, about upcoming guests. Or, Betty, or what do you the, got going on in, in Ocala? I'm actually in Newport Ritchie, but I, I like Scala from Ocala. I like Scala from Ocala. You know, and I, I used to drive yeah. an Impala, so I, I should have kept that too, I guess. Scala from Ocala with an Impala. Uh, I'm just happy to be here. It, it, it had to be like, when did you have Jimmy Mavalian first on? How, was it four or five months ago? Uh, we had Jimmy on January 21st, and then we had him uh, what, last week. So it was around January. I think I was driving to work, and I was looking for a new podcast, and I saw yours. And I thought, let me give this one a listen because I've listened. I mean, I have at the time I was driving in an hour and a half each way from Newport Ritchie to Clearwater. And then let me yeah. let me try a new podcast. And I listened to yours, and it was so much different than all the other podcasts I listened to. And like I was immediately hooked. It was just it's just a different format. Instead of listening to people talk about wrestlers and their stories. You're getting those stories right from the wrestlers themselves. Exactly. How can you beat that? Well, it's like Bill Dundee said. You know, you're getting it from the horse's mouth. You know. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and he's a you, Jim. I want to tell you something, brother. If you've ever had the opportunity to interview Bill Dundee, all you got to do is say hello, Bill. That's it. <laughs> Sit back, have back. a cup of coffee, yeah. order dinner. And just let him go. Just let him go. I love that. That's the greatest, though. Those are the Those best. Are the, like Sam Houston is a great guest. You don't have to you say, hi, Sam. <laughs> Off to the races. But I tell you what, I mean, we, we really, you know, we said it before, Dan, that we barely scratched the surface. I mean, with Sam, we literally barely scratched the surface. Right. You, you're talking about not only is it. He's got an incredible pedigree. Look who his family is. He comes from a great wrestling family. But he's, uh, you know, he's in like 33 years in the business, 34 years. Across every major territory and brand. You know, it's funny that Karen McDaniel, (laughs) Karen said the same thing I said. You know, there's a picture. I don't know if you can see it behind me here. There's a picture of Sam right there. He looks like he's about 12. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that photo right there. He looks like he's about twelve. Yeah, he's like he's like a little kid in that picture. And I asked him about that. And I, what did he tell us, Dan? It was uh, um, his, that's his dad's belt. It, yeah, his yeah his father's belt. You know, you, I you think know, it might be my dad's belt. <laughs> it's 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 funny that that clip we played him and Steve Steve Williams wrestling. 
that was he was in his mid thirties at that point, and yeah. he still probably would have been carded for cigarettes. Well, you know what's funny? I got to tell you, I picked. There were three clips that I picked. It was the uh, uh, stunning Steve and uh, Sam Houston. The other one I picked was, and I almost regret kicking myself in the ass here. I almost regret not showing it was Sam Houston and Nelson Royal versus the Midnight Express with Jim Cornette. Wow. And then the other one was Sam Houston versus Jerry Gray in the WWE, WWF, I'm sorry. Um, It was, he won the match, but it was just a atrocious match it was horrible i'm glad i'm glad i didn't show that because it was i don't know if it would have embarrassed him or not but he probably would have enjoyed seeing that that uh you know the nelson royal match i thought about that and nelson was no spring chicken in that he's probably 58 59 in that match right you know i mean he's a guy started his career back in the 50s so he was no, you know, he was no young kid. Yeah. You know, but, one, one of the uh, questions I was going to uh, or comments I was going to make to Sam was that he held two of the most prestigious territorial belts, the yeah. uh, Mid-Atlantic and the Central States Championships, yeah. both before he was 24 years old. And if you look at who held those belts, it's a who's who of Hall of Fame wrestlers. Oh, my God. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. not, not to mention, he was winning those titles in an era when the territories didn't give the, the, you just it was unheard of to put your strap on a young guy at that point. And a title meant something. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's what's lost now is that, you know, the titles now are are regarded as props. They're marketing right. tools. Yep. They don't mean anything now. And they're more, they're more interested in selling a replica belt than they are in having a. a and that's that just you don't know something. how that irks the shit out of me it really does it really really does it's like now it has they use the belts to build the stars instead of rewarding the stars for their great work with a belt exactly and thank you jim that's exactly right that's a a belt was your reward your uh, for your accomplishments right your draw whether now now, don't forget the belt we can't we can't call them belts anymore they're they're Fuck that shit. I call them belts, okay? And and, and and don't you dare call them a strap. They'll 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 uh they'll put you out out the that one of the Vince, that one. That's one of the Vince. And no, I and I stra- called them yeah. belt and strap, okay? Belt, belt is belt is a no no word. Strap is a you're fired word. Yeah, that's, not on this show. No, no, absolutely absolutely not. You can't even say wrestler, right? If you right. call it a title on this show, I'm gonna hit you with a fucking belt. <laughs> well, and, and don't forget the, uh, the other heavy one, one title <laughs> title shot. You can't say title shot. You have to say championship opportunity. Bullshit. Bullshit. In my day, it was a title shot. Anyway, well, listen, you guys, it's been a great, great show. Absolutely. Jim Phillips, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on, guys. I had a lot of fun. Benny Scala from Ocala. You're welcome back, brother. Thank We're going you. to do another one. And, of course, as always, the happy haberdasher, Dan the Man Sebastiano. I love it. I love it. Great hats, brother. Great hats. That's like more like Indiana Jones than Sam. Oh, it is an Indy Jones hat, yes. <laughs> it could be a big boulder chasing you down a hill. 
exactly you wear, right uh, you need to wear a judge smales hat from caddyshack oh the, the hat that comes with a free bowl of soup oh, yeah it looks good on you though exactly. right yeah <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute buy a hat get a free there you go there's there our go. Dance, man that's what he usually wears jim that's the chevy chase look you're right i like it that's ty webb right yeah, yeah. Well, for, for Jim Phillips from GorillaPosition.com, for Benny Scala from Ocala, and for Dan the Man Sebastiano, I'm Psychic Media Angelo. Happy wrestling, everybody. We'll see you next time.